0: Hey everyone, this is Chris. Um, A couple weeks ago, Basecamp Beta was invited by the Interzone Festival in New York to present a series of panels. And uh, we recorded them and uh, are happy to make them available to you. The panels uh, were basically to discuss... The history of uh, dance, electronic, and uh, industrial and noise music in New York from a sort of unconventional angle. This is the recording of the first panel talk with Scott Mao and uh, John Nicholson, a.k.a. Porkchop, a.k.a. SSPS. And we hope to make the other recordings available soon, Um, so keep an eye out for those. But until then, Enjoy. (coughs)
1: is Basecamp Beta by Interzone. Um, I'm Katie, obviously, and
2: I am Sean. And
0: I'm Chris. And, and we've got... I'm, I'm John. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and we've also got Scott here. Yeah, so I'm Scott.
1: Um, our, our panel today is a discussion of both dance and non-dance musics entitled Clubland and Its Discontents. Um, It's my pleasure to moderate our discussion today on the general New York music scene of the late 90s and early 2000s. Today, we have guests Scott Mao, a.k.a. Queens, and John Nicholson, a.k.a. SSPS, or um, DJ Porkchop. Uh, Both have been New York City mainstays for many years, and both I'm big fans of. Um, So I just wanted to kick it off... um, by asking and feel free to meander in any direction um, and tell stories. Um, but the first question I had was, um, and I think all of us uh, base campers would, would like to know, um, what, what was your uh, specific entry point to the general music scene in New York and how did your participation begin? If we can start there.
3: That's First of all, I wish we were having our Godzilla conversation on the microphones because <laughs> we, we have would be much more fun if we later. were doing. Yeah. yeah, I just wish we were doing that. Anyway,
1: yeah, I don't know um, if you. If, uh,
3: but to answer the answer the question, uh,
1: yeah, like how did how did you start? What was your entry point, and how did you start participating? I guess.
4: Two, two. I have two entry points. One. Which was the Ruby like sneaking into Ruby Lab and sneaking onto the turntables, and then you had to sneak your way. And then also language hooking me up with Metro Area for a gig at APT. Oh,
1: what well, um, what year was that? I remember that. Or if, you, if you
4: Maybe two thousand one. Two thousand one. Um, maybe like, maybe the spring of 2000
2: can we talk for a moment about Ruby Lad
4: if we're <laughs> sure.
2: you know if we're if we're exploring this era it's something pretty uh pretty iconic
4: Ruby Lad pretty I think it's an important party in the city
1: I think it might have been the first party that I went to in New York
4: It was weird because it wasn't it was sort of like a rave. But it wasn't really rave music, but it was all the same types of people that you would find at raves in the 90s.
3: I mean, it was it's, like what we're supposed to be talking about, right? It's, it was very much the rock scene yeah. mixed with the electronic scene, mixed with just yeah, general like they had freaks.
4: Like, they had like I mean, vo- some vaudevillian
3: shit going on. First Tom time I ever had absinthe was like, at the Rubelard party. That's right. That, that I was, mean, that first was time a I too. common thing everyone... <laughs> They had, like, absinthe at the bar, or was it just kind of, like, out? They had, like, bathtub absinthe. There'd be people crouching in a corner as if they were trying to start a campfire, but they were actually doling out little <laughs> shots of absinthe. Did they have the whole, like, contraption and shit? No, it, they were, like, sort of like a label-less bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, homemade, right? Yeah. yeah. Homemade, yeah. And, uh, this, is, this is, like, a selling point of the party. Well it was just like a little cherry on top of the party. Right. Really the selling point mm-hmm. of the party is that it was this debauched basement where you could do anything and it was very accepting. It was dirty. Uh the turntables were always in various states of working and non-working but everything would end up working <laughs> in the end. It's still like that. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> which is great, but it was really great. You just like it's like it was like driving a car with like half a steering wheel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. L- let's talk just for a minute about what what Ruby led was like, like, for the context of, of, of the listeners in the audience,
3: um,
5: oh, like,
3: yeah, like, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, I mean, wasn't it a rent party, more or less? Kind of, sort of, I feel like it was, a, it
4: was a rent, it party was a for living people, space, lots a lot of, of artists that lived in the loft right next to the Williamsburg Bridge, and yeah, that's how they financed that. Enormous fucking space.
3: Yeah, that's important to say, that it was huge. That it was this huge step down. It was right next to the Williamsburg Bridge, right? The original spot. Basement. uh, You know, always mannequins in vintage clothes, right? And here, there, DIY lighting situation.
4: Yeah, lots of Christmas lights.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, you could play can Records. You could play... You know, you can play Soft Machine, but you could also play, yeah, uh, Chicago Asset House, and like you can go anywhere. I mean, you could just you could play Loop. You could it play. It wasn't
4: it wasn't essential that the DJs playing when the place was totally packed that they even were into beat mixing. Exactly. Or right. like, hey, we're gonna like do some kind of house disco thing. It was way less house disco. But yeah. it was that that stuff was there, but it was also like, hey, we're gonna Yeah, would, listen to dollar records and Right and like weird, obscure records. Yeah, like would you, yeah, would like, you
3: <laughs> agree that 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 one like band or artist that kinda sounded like the way Rubalad felt was silver apples. Like that's kinda what the party felt like.
4: Yeah. I think silver I think apples, I think. Like, Meets challenge of the future. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um,
3: the Oneida guys were always there. The challenge
4: of the future. There were the
3: beards before pre, everybody yeah, yeah, had yeah. beards, <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was, <laughs> there you go.
1: Um, so for you, Scott, um,
3: Implant bar,
1: would that be? Think, oh, the starting
3: point? <laughs> yeah, like what I'm was go your? Go back a little farther. I mean, my starting point, I mean, wow. My starting point was um, working at Etheria, which was a record store on Avenue a, which was previous to, previous to that, was Adult Crash, which was sick, because Adult Crash also was like where I bought my first Panasonic record, because the whole idea was like, Adult Crash was very like, I mean, fucking, no wave, you know, obscuro, anything, you know, and the vibe in that place was really intense. Anyway, the place disappeared, and then it became Etheria, which had this very much like this kind of like stereo lab post rock meets you know UK ninja tune plus warp records plus psych vibe and then i just started working there and then um the what was i mean we were just nerds you know into this mix of things like indie into electronic you know and psych into electronic and for me i'll just throw in really quickly that i got into techno through krautrock which told me it was like yeah the fall is amazing and repetition is amazing and um can is amazing and then it got me into german music which got me into like the whole cologne scene so i was That's into so that cool. stuff okay right not right or just i like mean just because the yeah. different ways people find techno yeah. or it was at around exactly. the time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Is that around the time? Like, like, yeah. Through yeah. rock and roll. <laughs> and then, and then the Zymox also oh, turned like me on real to real. Acid House, which was a whole nother thing. Okay. So then, uh, so then wrapping it up, Todd Hyman, who does car park records, was like, hey, I want to start doing a night. And it was essentially an IDM night. And it was called, um, well, it was an electronic night. And it was called Invisible Cities. So that brought all these kinds of people together. Mad Mike, Hunnicky, yeah. uh, you know, Mike Plexus from um, Temple Records. And that was like the first thing of like learning how to DJ. Jeff Ryan would come by and hang out. <laughs> like it was wild. He was like, that's when he was first like getting into that stuff, hanging out. Just like, we just, it was like a listening party. Yeah. And then eventually I started doing a, from that I was like, okay, I really want to do something more techno in house. So I did a, then I did my own thing, which was embarrassingly, embarrassingly called Tokyo Lucky Hole, <laughs> named after <laughs> <laughs> named after yeah, the Iraqi photo book, which I naively thought wasn't not exploitive. Sorry.
5: Anyway. and
4: uh, uh, Mad Mike and Darius and Nathan had my first night was at a place, the Rockstar Bar or the ship's mast on the corner of South 4th. Oh my
3: god, with the Kent. with the with the actual woman on the mast yeah. like uh, on Kent Avenue. And wow.
4: we would actually pay Rocky to even have that party because like we drink so much liquor and we weren't bringing in any people. So, but you're I remember. Wow, That's classic! No, I remember. That. Early two thousand. <laughs> the first time I met Nathan. This motherfucker was wearing all white, and I, I don't know why I thought that that was like totally absurd back then. <laughs> wow. like,
3: since since we're street. just talking and like you're talking about these locations, I'm just gonna throw in there the very first time I ever saw Sean Marshall Cantorell play with his vintage system, and it was reportedly the first time he ever brought his vintage system out. He got, you know, had a car service, bring it all out. Was at that place.
4: It
5: was, it was at the that glass place, which was
3: amazing. Was it? So that?
4: it was glass candy. Was, glass it one, was it just him
3: or was it, you know, I don't remember who else played. I don't remember who else played.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'm going to go into the next question. It It might be repetitive, but, um, so like, what were your impressions of the music scene in New York at first? How did the varying styles of music differ and how did they exist alongside each other? Maybe we already answered that, but.
2: I think there's, there's maybe something that we started to get at that we can get at a little more. It's just the, the, the kind of, uh, um, the interplay between, you know, kind of, the experimental rock scene and the experimental electronic scenes of this moment.
3: Well, a funny anecdote is that there were a lot of, you know, I mean, there was max fish with the whole, like with unsane and who else railroad jerk, like all these indie bands, right. And heavy rock bands and the whole post pussy galore guys. Right. You know, and then that's happening. Uh, I don't know who else was there. Like, really. Ultra B Day, remember them? I mean, just like Japanese, like kind of like heavy, touch and goish kind of. Anyway, so uh, it, the interesting thing is, and this is a funny thing, is that you know you had friends and you were involved. I mean, I had, I was in, I was in a guitar band at that time, still, you know, and uh, a lot of people in that scene were actually intimidated by the electronic scene because there was all this press about people like Fatboy Slim and stuff like that. So everyone's like and DJs. You know, and everyone was all like, "Oh, like DJs." So oh, it's just a guy playing records, and they have no concept of mixing. Yeah, when DJs,
4: when yeah. DJs moved into playing in bars and not just being yeah. at loft parties or at nightclubs, they just went to little bars. Like everybody in restaurants yeah, <laughs> have yeah. DJs. Like that was like a real. Was a real. Uh, Head scratcher.
2: I think it might be worth noting that, that <laughs> it, it certainly in my experience of, the, of 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 that era, the DJ had as a, as a DJ in New York, you you played at shitty bars. You didn't play at clubs. No, you didn't go to the clubs. Really? Yeah, well, that goes into I went my to
4: next Central Fly. Th- that place was sort of fun.
1: That goes into my next question and maybe we might be able to tie this in and say what was clubbing like in the late nineties and how did you see that change as we went into the early two thousands? I don't know. That's sort of relevant to what Club we're talking kids about. Disappeared.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean you were, I don't know, you mentioned Centrifly. Um I don't know that the, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I think there were the, the interesting thing is there were all these big clubs and I, I felt like the big clubs, even when they would once in a while book someone interesting, it was off limits in a sense. Or like you would pass through the doors and the set that they were playing was not what you wanted to hear, really. It was like a, you know, I mean, bottle service. Hello. You know what I mean? When that was, that was all happening and it was ridiculous. So. I mean, I one, another anecdote I was thinking about was, uh, what was it, maybe Flyer Magazine, which actually was a cool supporter of club music and stuff at the time. <laughs> they did a thing where Flyer. they brought the guys from Compact, you know, uh, and it was uh, Tob- Tobias Thomas and Michael Mayer, right? Yeah. And uh, they literally, they were playing and no one was paying attention. So they just started... Playing one of their own tracks over and over and over again. They played it about five times and no one noticed. <laughs> and
4: I did that with Safety Dance for like yeah. 45. <laughs> <years>. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I
3: think Somebody you did that say. the other night.
1: Is he actually playing Safety Dance? Wait, you did yes.
2: That.
4: I, played, I played Safety Dance the
2: other night. <laughs> yes. I heard about that. <laughs>
4: It's a banger. It's a banger. Until they until someone's like, whoa, like you've <laughs> been doing that for a long
0: time. <laughs> so no one in
3: the clubs was listening to music, basically. Yeah, and the sound yeah. system also wasn't so great. Either, so it's right? it's that was just like today. It's just like today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah <laughs> typical New York problems. I think like
0: I mean, because I think the most interesting thing about this era is like in the sort of broad like mainstream conception of uh, nightlife history, New York nightlife history, especially. Um, this is like when club music is dead.
3: Like, it was really underground. Let's just say it. Yeah. It was underground. It was small. Yeah. It was only people who really gave a shit and everybody knew each other, but it was really great. <laughs> right. It's like yeah, it's, this era that I people
0: mean, really loved when, when you talk to people like people really loved that era because like, it was just very different. And, and like, so like the, the thing that most people say is like, Oh yeah, like no one was clubbing. Like music was dead in New York. There was no nightlife, but like, obviously there was, and there, you know, yeah,
4: you um, could, you could go out to a bar and like get kicked out for trying to dance.
3: It's crazy oh yeah no we got to talk about that i mean completely because when the when that when the law changed and all of a sudden the cabaret law went, went went away which if i mean everybody knows what the cabaret law is right yeah yeah i mean okay so like when it actually changed i mean we're fantasizing about that date coming so often i mean everybody's heard the stories i mean people had literally had lighting uh little red lights and buzzers at the doors so that when the cops showed up a little red light would flash by the dj booth so you can like put on like some you know, uh, elevator music. Can,
2: know, can, can we rewind actually to, to Plant Bar, which I think Plant Bar had that, right? Right. right. That John yeah, mentioned yeah. super briefly. Plant Bar. You yeah. want to talk about Plant Bar for
5: just a Plant second? Plant
4: Bar was a great place for. Yeah, I think that the rockers, the East Village rockers, got like indoctrinated into this dance music culture at. That plant bar <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: silently shaking my head uh, you know so, enthusiastically like, to that yeah i mean it was would, it was very it was the, all get, the DFA the DFA people were always hanging out there i didn't go a lot but that's right oh my I mean. god
4: well mom i worked down the street at mama's and so well, we were there
3: mama's we, was a headquarters i got to say we
4: lived at plant bar
3: man. mama's was a freak headquarters it i mean mama brought people together I'm gonna tell you. Gonna- please, please, for,
2: for 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 the context of uh of our audience, like what was Mama's?
3: My about-
4: Mike, worked there. That's how I got in. Right up. It, it was a restaurant on that corner of Avenue B and Third Street. It's still there? Uh, what's right? n- no, 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 no? Oh, no. right. It's now, not, now it's, it's called still Mama's restaurant. Bar. Sorry. But Mama doesn't own it. Right he up, course, sold so. it, and some jocks own it now, or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, sure. Classic <laughs> New York. <laughs> But he would have these great parties.
3: And the orphan thanksgivings were the best. Oh my goodness! First time, first, I gotta shout out John Porkchop right here. The first time John like affected my life, like musically, was when he played that um, Hong Kong beep beep twelve inch that I posted the other day and shouted you out. But th- like that's when I realized John was like you. He had this ability to change the molecules in the air with like nasty disco, (laughs) like weird, like syrupy, nasty disco. That's John.
1: So cool. So um, how much of the music that you enjoyed was being played out at the time? And where did you go to find it? I guess we just answered that. You went to play in bar. That's what was interesting. Make your
3: own party happen. Well, we weren't like, okay, get this. We didn't have, you know, the superheroes of techno and house coming that we could go see. And, like, no one from Germany was coming, and that was, like, my focus, more or less, at that, at that moment. So, like, you know, we were literally depending on everyone else to interpret what the hell was going on and how to even mix this music and how to even present it. I mean, think about how many German I, I records go out, were, like, non-techno, weird, like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Anyway.
4: I used to go out to hear Chicago dudes when they'd come through New York. Yeah,
5: Totally. Draft well, was do coming in certain
4: way. Where would like they play Der- I'd go like see Derek at Central Fly.
5: Yeah, totally. Because I
4: feel like if I danced fucking hard enough that he would fucking play for me.
5: That's sick <laughs> But
4: <laughs> he was yeah. playing for everybody, but yeah like when you're really jacking it up, like you really think the DJ is playing just for you. Yes. Yeah, totally. totally, 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 totally. Nice. I but know. I always I drift I don't subscribe to any like Yeah, like, I'm in the house scene, or I'm in the rock scene, or I'm a punk, or I'm this and that. Like, I go everywhere. Exactly. I visit everything that I like, and
5: some of that You like
4: music. Um, I like music, and (laughs) it's not really genre-specific.
3: But that's the interesting thing to me that, you know, I mean, I was talking about this with with these guys earlier, is that, or last night, actually, that, that weird was one place. And like the techno night that a friend was doing or that I was doing was another thing. And I really enjoyed feeling like I was in these two completely different universes and that they, they communicated, but like just in my mind, Yeah, you know, and for them to sort of come together. I don't think
1: you're alone on that though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But yeah, but, but it was a different atmosphere.
1: You know, at least it same. felt like yeah. maybe you were having that dialogue in yeah. your mind yeah. because things were less, um, I guess, like social media, like wasn't tying everything, making everything seem the same,
5: maybe. Right, yeah.
4: Like New York's attempt at doing something like wax tracks.
3: Right. Dance. I don't I don't know. It, w- it was in my mind for sure, but it really, I don't know. It really was like that. Yeah. It really was like that. It was really separate. Like I mean, entering they were, different let's, let's universes. Just say that there was a moment you weren't. I mean, can I say it? You weren't allowed to play techno at weird. I uh, mean, you weren't you weren't allowed
2: to play techno anywhere.
3: Y- yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. And we do it anyway. You do it. You know. You'd you'd, <laughs> you'd sneak it in, in. Yeah. You know, out of a Depeche Mode beside something, you <laughs> or, just do it. But <laughs> like you know, or it, or the flip
4: side being. Katie used to DJ at this place called Artland. Oh my god. And if you took it too far in the other direction and started playing like rock, like, oh man, like, yeah, I'm beat mixing the Stooges with like a fucking house track and they would get.
1: I don't know if I was beat matching anything (laughs) in that era, but thankfully I learned how to DJ.
4: Fucking, these motherfuckers were not having it.
2: I, I, again it, for, it really, for, for a little bit of context for uh, <laughs> for our audience, what was what, what was Art Light?
4: It was a bar on Grand uh, between what? Union and Warmer and Lormer Leonard Lormer and Leonard. And it was owned by this like body and soul woman. Jed. Owned. And they really liked their house music deep. They liked it New York, New Jersey. And if you went too far towards Chicago or L.A. or fucking some shit that wasn't, like, put the powder on the floor and that's been in circles, like.
1: <laughs> they had an amazing they sound a system. They had great sound
4: system. And they were really Yuri mixer. But if you were trying to do some grab bag, multi-genre. Let's I did play. it anyway. Yeah. I'm
5: like, fuck you. I I'm somehow, do okay. Let's do it again next month.
1: Wow, I somehow got uh, my whole involvement with that bar was because my roommate at the time hosted the open mic night on Thursdays. So he's like, "You got to come be the DJ for the open mic night," and then, um, and then I was asked from there to do a, a ladies' night on Tuesday. So it was, was half price drinks. <laughs> yeah, she was really she encouraging was for
4: any women DJs wow. to come and DJ and i got into it through my fucking ex-wife. Oh. Because she had cuz she was like spinning but they weren't happy with her 1960s psychedelic rock selection.
1: Oh yeah, when I, when so, my like, when my co-dj it. Laura played that <laughs> stuff they really didn't like it.
5: Oh
4: god, they'd get so pissed. It was like, too yeah, trebly. here, they're buying drinks like our, we have five people here.
5: Yeah, <laughs>
1: and we brought them, so them. <laughs> maybe they want to hear this. Okay, <laughs> so uh, like early two thousands, rewind it back. Um, were you seeing more live acts or DJs at the time, or what? What was that like? Really equal, actually. yeah.
3: I mean, it really was. I mean, just to throw, I mean, the cooler was doing stuff with electronic artists and you know bands. Well, yeah. tonic was amazing for that. I mean, they were right on that. As far as I mean, I remember the cooler what, was we, so rad. It was I so I'm so glad I got Wait, what's the cooler? live. Jan right. Yoleneck, Bla- we, uh, we did actually other music. Other dance. music did Vladislav Delay, but like at some other random place Gang
4: gang dance, laying out yeah. pots and pans and drums for the audience to play. And challenge oh. of the future. Spot on.
5: Like, Thumbs up.
4: Like some kind of I don't what was Challenge of the Future? I feel like they wanted like they were trying to get to this dance place. Almost got the
2: Challenge they, of the Future was John Morton's
4: band? It was like uh he no, he put out the record. It
2: okay, was, okay. I know I know I saw them a era, couple times, but and yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Old boy from fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever his fucking name is. Nick Zinner. Yeah. And this dude, I can't remember the bass player. The bass player was fantastic. They were sort of. I don't know. Maybe they were like Trenchmouth.
2: Um. I don't know. So would you would like? Would you say that? Uh, it, it seems like electronic music was being listened to more in sort of experimental. Venues than in than in dance venues, at least the electronic music that you yeah, and all exactly. of us yeah. were interested in.
4: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really going to nightclubs unless someone unless I could get in because somebody was DJ. I was not trying to fucking hang out with all those yahoos.
3: I mean, one club that is long gone. It was fun, and they were definitely fun? doing...
4: fun. Oh my god! Yeah, they
3: were doing some. They were mixing that up. I mean, a lot of fault delay. took me there generally. to
4: see Adult for the first time. I was at that show. That was good. Fuck. Great, great show. Great show. Actually, it, that was a mind melter.
2: Uh, yeah, that was an amazing show. On on, on that note, should we should, we should we should we talk
4: about, about Electro Clash?
2: Defense. Yeah, should, should we go there? Should we talk about the the sure. the looming specter of the era, Electro Clash?
4: Sure. <laughs> I had Chicago yes. friends that were like calling me. They're like. What's up with this stuff? It's funny to think that none of this shit was, like, really on the internet. That, like, yo, we read, like, some music magazine and they're talking about this shit electroclash. We gotta do an electroclash, like, some kind of Chicago electroclash. We need to, we need to fucking bring that here. And (laughs) it, like, happened and then it died. Like, immediately.
1: When do you think it really died?
4: I don't know. I think it's still going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in in what ways?
4: <laughs> fucking SSPS. <SFBS. laughs>
0: You'll Sick. find out later tonight.
4: <laughs> i fucking I'll show you my panties. <laughs> <laughs> no, so was, what? What I was, was Electro Clash? It was a great party at Lux. In Ber- Ber- Berliniamsburg? Berliniamsburg? Yeah, it
3: was at that rock bar on Grand Street. <laughs>
5: what?
4: <laughs> yeah. That is yeah, a crazy... played there the first time she came to New York.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm going to... I don't know. I have to say... I mean, I was, I was there. I DJed Electro Clash parties and whatever, but I have to say I was not the biggest fan. And, like, you but know... But you
1: still played it.
3: I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, Electro Clash was interesting because it really opened up the thing where like, oh, you could
1: it's
4: like rock for, and for
3: and electronic music. I mean it just made more venues for it.
4: It's like Which
3: was great. But um I but feel, you know, like the vibe or the general scene was sort of like there were a lot of annoying aspects and there were a lot of bands that were just like trying to become pop stars and it was terrible.
5: I, I mean there were so like many awful maybe bands.
4: The whole electro clash thing allowed people from rock and roll that were experimenting with electronics to totally. be cookie puss or just like get on some like yeah we're gonna be like we're we're making electronic music but like we're goofy
3: it's funny <laughs> i never i never connected that with electro though but like i connected that 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 thing what you're saying with you and i connected it with people like jeff ryan and i connected it with like I mean, just the general feeling, like, look, I was in the techno house, but, like, somehow, just to throw this in there, like, you know, Noah from Animal Collective was like, oh, I want to do something electronic, like, do you want to do something together? And we started doing some stuff, and it was very much, I'll just say that, doing electronic music with the wrong tools, you know? And that's kind of the same thing, and that's, like, why I'm still interested in, like, using a guitar, because I, like using the wrong tools, you know? And, uh, yeah, like, to s- kind of say that you can do it any way you want to do it, right? Or any way you can do it or whatever.
1: You don't just need an Octatrack.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: And a 909. Yeah. No,
3: yeah. It would, would have been an NPC in the no, era, what? but...
5: Well, obviously. But, but, but,
3: like, I mean, then, like, with Acceptor, I mean, Jesus, that was, like, such a perfect example. Like, this army of guys, like, all just, like...
4: That had, and
3: doing whatever, the early man.
4: Acceptor had a no-stringed-instruments policy, and then nice. when Calder started <laughs> bringing guitars to Acceptor <laughs> shows, that's C- like when the onstage fights.
2: Can we explain for a moment what Acceptor was and or is to the audience?
1: Maybe you can.
3: Can I say it?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because I'm a second generation. I I got to see the first incarnation of Acceptor, but I'm part of Mach 2. That's
3: right. It was Jeff Ryan from No Neck and No Neck Blues Band. It was his
4: revolt because he tried bringing electronics into No Neck and Keith wasn't having it. Yeah. So he started... A band that was no acoustic instruments, only electronics, right. no dance music. Yeah, it's like yeah, we're gonna be an electronic band with eight oh eights and fucking MC two oh two and still, all of these with the same <laughs> all of these <laughs> things that you use to make house and techno, and what? we're not gonna play any fucking dance music. But also all. with
3: a commune band feeling that like no neck head, right yeah. like, but with electronics and like yeah. all these guys. Maybe
4: maybe you're gonna get some rhythms that turn into a song, but right. fucking maybe not. Maybe right. you're just gonna hear like moaning and feedback for an hour. <laughs> so what People I'm getting, getting is so pissed off. I because
0: I was way too young for this. But what I'm getting, I'm um, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing kind of like two threads that seem contradictory, but I feel like there's something deeper there that resolves where we can take this dialectic of, we have, like, you're saying that a lot of parties felt really free and everyone was listening to everything, music, whatever, like, no beat matching, Stooges into can into Vladislav Delay, like, whatever. Just totally open format. And then there were also so many places where that wasn't the case at all. People were building rules, like, you know, you couldn't, um, you know, like, you know, no dance music at at one bar another bar was absolutely nothing but you know like todd terry records um so like what is like so these seem like sort of very contradictory pictures of the time um what is how can we resolve that is it that the is it that you is it that a lot of people were coming up against like this uh these restrictions and going further underground and like you know trying to like find to like meld everything together, you know, like using the wrong tools to make techno or whatever, like they had to go underground and do it themselves to like do that because in a lot of places, like whatever you couldn't, you, you felt a little more like boxed in. Um I'm just trying to like get it, like trying to figure out what's going on in between these two sort of pictures of that era. Maybe,
4: maybe people were trying to break out of, this thing, if you were young in the 1980s and you were into some kind of subculture or subgenre of like some kind of countercultural thing for your generation, like you're only supposed to be into that. Right. And <clears throat> people were sick of like, I'm not a house I'm not, I, I just, I want to, why can't I have everything? I have everything at the parties that I'm having at my house. Right. Why can't we go out and experience this?
0: But you didn't want it to be, like, fucking Mm. high school again, where, like, everyone was, like, in their little clique, and they never, like, they never moved outside of it.
4: No. Yeah. Yeah. And moving towards, like, open-endedness. Like, it was just, like, a
3: revolt from...
4: Like, I don't know. I was... For a few years, like, just, like, no, like, those years, a few years that I thought that the house was sort of stupid, mm-hmm. because they were stuck up. It was just, like, yeah. like some kid shit. Right. Like, some...
0: <laughs> but you found, so you found that, like, at, like, DIY parties or, like, more underground spaces, you could, like, do that more, like, free jumping between yeah. sounds and exploring...
4: it's like some David Mancuso meets Dr. Demento
3: meets <laughs> <Barley>. <laughs> Okay. okay. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe we're talking too much about that part because I think that on the, I'm just going to throw this in there. On the other hand, you know, there were uh, DJs coming from Europe. But it, I mean, it was interesting because they would just come to these small parties and play for next to nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and, They would just find where the vibe was or something. I mean, I was doing this party called that that the the one I was talking about, Tokyo Lucky Hole, which is on Tenth Street, and it was great because we would have. I mean, uh, before before Bush was elected, uh, he he came and uh, Ricardo Villalobos came and played. I mean, played George Bush came like half the size of this room, and um, I mean, people like. Riley Reinhold from Triple uh, Triple R from Tram yeah. Records. I mean, he came and played um uh Miss Kitten played and she didn't play Electro Clash. She totally played like deep interesting textural like minimal house. I mean, she killed it. She played lots of like klong and 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 just other like Frankfurt type stuff, you know. And um I mean, what's what what is my point? I mean, if I I'm trailing, but it's just like, it was exciting to me because to hear these guys that were playing to real knowledgeable audiences in the, from where they were from coming to play to a super eager audience, small, intimate, eager audience here. So then you're like being blown away by the quality of their tracks and by their mixing ability Mm -hmm. at the same time. So that wasn't so, you know. That was like the other side of this free, open, crazy, right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're so they were so precise and so good. That was yeah, a yeah, huge.
0: I don't know. That was just was there big, was there like a big was sort of felt for lack of a better word the scene or whatever was this, was it was it very focused on? I mean, I know you in particular were really into like what was going on in Germany in you know two thousand or whatever. But was like that sort of reflected across the board in the scene where people like focused a lot on, on that. Because I mean, now the, I mean uh, the, for all of the great local talent we have here um, like techno and dance music in the U S and in New York is like psychotically focused on Europe. Always. Um, we just like, everything is about bringing in a, some European DJ, um to well, play that, I mean, every that's weekend, interesting, you know
3: right because exactly yeah the, the, it was it was a, a small group of people super focused on it really interested in it and i mean the the kind of overarching conversation was and the stuff from germany is so amazing you know the, the the sound is so amazing it's so good it's so good and um you know and then what was happening in new york was very commercial you know it was mm-hmm. really co- i mean i remember just the big things like Kiyoki playing, you know, or uh, uh, Danny Teneglia or, uh, uh, yeah, Marillo, Eric Murillo, you know.
4: And when Kiyoki used to come to Chicago, he'd play small raves.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, that was I didn't like, know that. But that, but that was that like, like 10 years sense.
4: before this. That was like 10 yeah. years before that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow.
3: I mean yeah. I mean I'm here they were playing at, at like time? Big clubs. Like, and or like, or like
4: uh what's her Lady Mascure. Right. And or she like seemed larger than life with the what grooves in the heart or whatever the Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: or whatever the, what's that record called? D <laughs> Yeah, whatever.
2: But yeah, we'd get grooves in the heart, yeah.
4: Yeah. Whatever LP that record on.
3: Yeah, World Click.
4: But like, that sort of painted this picture of, like, Kiyoki or Dimitri and Lady Miscure that, like, that they were as big as Mick Jagger. But, really, like, they were, like, walking around barefoot, like, in an empty warehouse. <laughs> like, fucking doing a cha-cha train with, like, 500 kids.
5: That's and, pretty uh, cool.
4: They could walk the streets anonymously. They weren't as famous as I don't. They weren't what the media showed you, right? They were much better.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Isn't that always the case, though?
5: No. <laughs>
4: Who wasn't that the case with? Fucking Meat Beat Manifesto.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Do, 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 do you have a Jack danger story? Best.
4: acceptor opened for beat beat manifesto at the bowery ballroom and we get there for sound check and they have all of their equipment set up on stage with this fucking movie screens and they're like you guys have to set up and play behind the movie screens and then we'll have we have the security camera that's up here in the corner that's going to film you guys from one angle that the audience will be able to see you on the on the fucking screen. And it seems like a really cool idea if you could talk about talk about it in advance. Right. And Acceptor <laughs> is definitely the type of band that like we need to have contact and visual contact with the audience. Because I mean, while I'm concentrating on whatever I have going on, the people that are free to move about on the stage are interacting with the audience in some way, like Claire or Caitlin or Lala. They were always interact, or Jeff, always interacting with the audience in some way. And, like, we had to play where we couldn't see anybody. And then they were sort of dickheads in the fucking room. The dressing room. room. And they got kicked off of the vinyl copy of the Freakways Accepted Remixes record. Because they treated us like we were fucking kids. And...
0: Karma Man comes back.
4: I don't know. I... They just they they just seem very. It wasn't like meeting Genesis Björge. right? In other words, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I oh. yeah so um.
4: I, I'm sorry, I don't want to slag on those guys, but no, but you did, totally cool. but I did. So. So. I don't care. My name is John Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> You guys treated me like I was an asshole.
1: <laughs> Which you are not. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll move through. Uh, this is kind of feels like a stale statement or question, but I'm going to read it anyways. Um, early 2000s, NYC feels like it drew a lot of people to want to move here. Um, I somehow ended up here, and a big part of that was the desire to be involved in music. Um, do you think that's true? What is your perception of the special energy of the time?
3: That's precisely when advertisement really started to tell everybody that yeah. we're all into music and music is cool now. I mean, right? I mean, it really was what was happening. And, you know, it, it was kind of weird. Because I wish I just wouldn't that... have
1: ever done that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> i I mean, it,
3: it, it was... I mean, there was a...
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally.
3: There was a yeah. It was like then it was my playlist, but they didn't even call them playlists then, but just like my my, my mix music. CD. Yeah. My yeah. My yeah. My like now they started they to, yeah, say, making fake stories and commercial about people making mix tapes for each other. Like when that's that narrative started showing up in ads <laughs> <and> movies, <laughs> right? Sorry.
5: You were getting yeah.
0: like yeah. You were just getting messages that like. This is what you need to do to be like an interesting self-actualized person some, is yeah. to like be into
3: music and like move to New York, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was. A, yeah.
5: There
3: was a, I mean, simul- simultaneously bands are making it like, you know, Rapture and like Yeah Yeah Yes and um, were there electronic Oh, uh, the first
4: yeah. uh Animal the collective. first Juan McLean show at Warsaw oh. where the rapture where the zip drive went like they had like a zip drive malfunction that was connected to the mpc so since that malfunction happened like they didn't play it was just like like yeah (laughs) like oh fuck man this machine is fucking up the midi's all fucked up this is the midi i remember hearing
3: about that i don't think i was at that show
4: wow there's so many people there yeah, I got this awesome. They put out, they have this great like photocopied uh, cover for like the Juan McLean live at Warsaw two thousand one, yeah. and they didn't even they didn't play.
3: But you know, with all of the but
4: they were all set up. That's what's important, that, and that would come to happen to me.
0: They just plugged like the zip drive into the times. CDJ so and
4: happened, then played. That's actually happened to me about five hundred times. <laughs>
2: You've played negative 432
4: shows. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I've set up to play shows and then not been able to play for some reason (laughs) more than the shows that I've accomplished.
3: (laughs) I'm going to throw, like with all of this stuff happening in these bands and the change, whatever. (laughs) I think, I, I think what's always been interesting about New York is that it, Regardless of whatever is being hyped at the moment, there's always some space for something interesting to happen. There's always a space, there's always some people that you're going to interact with and find, and just to do a little something off to the side. Yeah.
1: That's what we were talking about before is that like, I wasn't drawn to New York uh, because of a certain scene or band. Uh, I just felt like I would find other people who liked music and who dug a little bit deeper.
3: Exactly. We were here. Exactly. We were community or something. Yeah. Yeah. The idea (laughs) that you knew that the things that were super important and interesting to you that not everyone was talking about is, has some healthy, there's some place where it can like take root and actually something can happen. As, as
2: someone who occasionally contemplates leaving New York, it's also what makes it really hard to, to exactly. leave New
3: York. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: It's, yeah. there, there aren't a lot of places that have that baseline activity. Exactly. I
4: and came you, here as a bike messenger and wanted to be in a band that was something like Six Finger Satellite.
3: about Mike? <laughs>
4: so <laughs> Mike. When he came back to Chicago and I asked him what bike messengering was like in New York and he was like, oh, I work at this place, Mama's Food Shop, but delivering food. And I was like, wow, you could make a living delivering food? I was like... Could you? Fuck yeah, man. Damn. I moved, oh my God, that was my lifeline. I got a job at Mama's the day that I moved to New York. Talking about
3: Mad Mike Haniky, aka, a.k.a. Freddie Mash. He has yeah, some and, good, yeah,
4: and he he's good like, records out there. <laughs> very
3: lovable guy
4: on Everyone Kodak him. and on Tiger Sushi.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think he's a has a mathematics Ph.D. right now or something. Right now, uh, oh. at, 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 right?
5: Did you
4: hear about the that? crazy thing? Well, he he dropped out of high school, was a bike messenger for years, but was very well read. And then yeah, when he decided energetic. to go to college, was immediately like put into some academic level Shakespearean like English class. And now he's like an academic.
3: Yeah. Good
5: for That's him. Funny.
3: I remember going over to his house and he had these huge like like four inch thick mathematic textbooks and I thought he just had, I thought he just found yeah. him in a trash pile somewhere. He's like, no, when I come home from the clubs or whatever, I just like to read these.
4: He's like reading, text, <laughs> he's like reading textbooks. Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Um, so how do you feel the era influenced and shaped our current moment? Would you say that it did? Like, how did we, like, it, yeah, like, cause I feel like really, it's a it little really bit did. overlooked in mm-hmm. some ways.
3: Um, it's definitely overlooked. Well, I mean, there is this prevailing underground thing happening, right? I mean, just—I mean, we were talking about this last night. How? I mean, I don't know if this is the right way to like launch into it, but how you were always looking for tracks that had an EBM or like industrial vibe, you know? And then you—you'd you'd, look the harder t- for the tracks that like fell, but be- the tracks that fell between the cracks. Yeah, like yeah. like
2: the things that weren't quite. X, Y, or Z, but exactly in between, exactly. like like the Liaisons d'Angers record that right. was so impossible to find, Holy yeah. Grail for so uh, many years.
4: When yeah. they repressed that, uh, yeah, no, it, it was w- like the <laughs> heavens opened. <laughs> it <up>. was. <laughs> oh wow! It was a super su- super big deal. The Liaisons yeah. LP was a
3: real mind blower. It was a milestone.
1: But
4: that yeah. was like a seminal
3: pre record right a pre record or growing up like growing up in chicago
4: like that shit was like literally like our pop music like they played like four of those songs off of that lp like on the radio
2: that's crazy which
4: is like really which it's like really crazy to
3: think like today (laughs)
4: like wow like a lot of people like Especially, like, Chicagans, if you're, like, of a certain age, like, that's, like, what you think pop music is. <laughs> but, yeah. like It's what pop else, music should be, so... <laughs> nobody else thinks that. <laughs> 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 or, I used thought that everybody had the same things in their towns or whatever. Like, when I lived in Chicago, or growing up in Chicago with house music, where... Like people, wow! You saw Ron Hardy DJ like, oh yeah, I saw him oh. DJ in a gymnasium. Like all of these guys: Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, Little Lewis, Marshall Jefferson. Like all these dudes, they played at nightclubs all over the world, but they also played at community centers and they played at like grand openings for laundromats and <laughs> junior, and junior high dances yeah. and roller skating rinks and church parties, and, like, so, like, I didn't get to go to the music box, but, like, I got to go to the Edge of the Looking Glass, or I got to go to Operation Push with Jesse Jackson, like, meet the Mary Jane girls, see Frankie Knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I thought that what was popular in Chicago was popular everywhere.
5: Oh wow.
4: Like when I played Walk the Night at Plant Bar. That's right. like like wow, like that That's like a song like yeah, we were like singing that song like when we were like twelve, like playing with G.I. Joe <laughs> action figures. Transformers.
3: I still like, can't not listening. play that song. Actually that song is still a great song.
4: It's and, a great song. And <laughs> it is But it was, like, something that a lot of people found, like, much later.
3: Yeah.
4: And they were like, wow. Yeah, things were in
3: there. I mean, Chicago, the time that you were there and what you're talking about, I mean, that's like utopia. I mean, that sounds amazing. (laughs) That sounds like I wish I had a teeny bit of that, because that's...
4: It was like, I I was into that stuff, but then when I discovered the punk scene, I was just, like, too punk for all of that shit. Oh. Wow.
2: Uh, do you want to loop back to what you were just saying, though, before? I can't remember. You, you were talking about, um, uh, like, looking for records that felt like EBM or something. Like, and I, mean, I was saying... a really like,
3: small point. Just the fact that, you know, you really couldn't, you know, there was no overarching uh, trend or, you know, movement towards ebm techno at the time and like if you were really into it you really had to search for the stuff and you'd have to buy a double lp of like tech house tracks and then there'd be this amazing track that was just this deep grinding you know or just like swinging ebm track that was really good and you're like well i gotta get it
1: it took a lot more digging and
3: listening yeah
1: and just time
3: yeah and uh you know i don't know I mean, I'd like to think that the connecting thing. Oh, forget it. I mean, there's just, no, there is, it. there is that, that the thing that I'm, you know, how guess, did it, how did it shape that I'm, where I'm we happy are? To see now is I guess. that it, it is, it seems like there is this whole, this long running reevaluation of this underground sound or underground sounds altogether. It's great. I mean, I th- when just to throw this in there, I thought it was so interesting when hardcore guys or noise guys were getting into techno. You know, and then hardcore, uh, American hardcore, and European hardcore, for that matter, or whatever, world hardcore was getting revisited. You know, the global hardcore. Yeah, when, I, global when hardcore. I started
4: DJing, and I like my first DJ gig was at my 23rd birthday party, and I had just completed my first DJ setup, and like with like some shitty pitch control record players from thrift store and a $16 mixer from a pawn shop. And I was, I really got into collecting dollar and quarter records. And at that time that was like a disco records and all the stuff that they played on WBMX when we were kids. And I would play Those records in between bands at punk shows, because I thought that if I got them really fired up by listening to this music that they hated, that when the band came up, that they would like, that like this dance floor would erupt or something crazy.
3: Playing Italian (laughs) disco records, you mean?
4: And and like my mom's Bohannon records. Awesome. And then I found,
5: because I was already like
4: going to house parties and like had, like I had like my punk friends, and I had like my friends that weren't punk, and that was just like everybody else. <laughs> Is that here
3: in New York, or was that?
4: That was in Chicago. Okay, and I was really into putting it thorn, like being that monkey ranch, or you guys are all like, I'm gonna play this party. You three DJs are all gonna be, like, playing the same records. To the extent that, like, this dude is playing a record that you bought with you. And, like, now you can't play it. Because, like, this dude already played it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, now I gotta refigure my set. And I was like, well, I wanna do something completely different and play. All the songs that none of you guys are playing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's punk. That—that's the thing. You're doing punk. You're doing a punk move without punk rock. I mean, you're totally. But then I
4: I do the I gig at dance music parties and then like play like wax track shit. And then try to push exactly. it further into just like straight straight up rock and roll and <laughs> or punk or hardcore or whatever.
3: Actually that leads to something I was thinking about that so we were gonna talk uh, about, I thought we might talk about here is that because New York was such a place where you you know, there wasn't an avenue or a place for these things, the kind of attitude that would just generate would be, Okay, no one's gonna know possibly no one's no. I won't say no one's going to care, but, like, possibly no one's going to know what you're going to play. But you're just going to play the best shit. And you're just going to expect everyone to kind of, I mean, especially because we're here, that people will just be somewhat open and just get it. And, like, accept it. And you did, I mean, you would just do that. So, like, you'd find yourself just, I don't know, bringing just the most interesting thing into the wrong place all the time uh, yeah. and just doing it and like just putting it on people, you know, and, uh,
4: check out this captain. Yeah. Kimberly check it soundtrack. out.
3: Like shit. Yeah. You're essentially sharing it you know. <laughs> and whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, I think a lot of that was going on.
2: So I guess this, this, this gets at, uh, a, like a kind of, um, a, at least era, but possibly kind of New York specific kind of notion of the DJ as, uh, as sort of educator, and not just as sort of facilitator of...
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, okay, here's another kind of anecdotal thing. I mean, it's funny, because, like, around this time, around 2003, 2004, I started working, doing, like, music supervision and uh, music for fashion shows. I mean, and funny enough, I mean, it was like anathema to play any techno or house at that time. And it it was like I would always try to convince, you know, the best I could do would be, like... Hey, can we play like uh this Russian post punk band called Kino and you know it's or or a, a full set of Jesus and Mary Chain tracks or Bauhaus or something like that. And like weirdly enough, that was weird at the time. Like they were everything was so poppy and ridiculous, you know, that was being played at these events at the time. Um I can't even yeah, and, and just, like, to give another picture, I mean, you don't know how many times, you know, you'd be like, let's should be able to play some techno in this thing, you know, and that whole industry was completely
0: scared. But I feel like you know? we're kind of... They were scared. Of at me. a similar point now where, like, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a, this inherent tension where um, we all, like, really love this idea of the DJ as someone who, like, shares and, like, opens you up to new music, but... um at, like, the clubs at the time, but also now. Um, That, I think, is very closed down. I think it'd be really weird to go to, like, a club these days, any of the big sort of techno places or whatever, and hear, like, a Bauhaus track. Like, that would be weird. Um, It would be, like, totally unexpected. Unless it was a DJ who
2: that was their brand.
0: Sure, yeah. But, I mean, generally, like, the understanding, I think, of DJing right now, um, and is is that, like, oh, well, like, you know, uh the crowd like well everyone's you know on Molly and I don't want to like bother them you know like I don't, like I want to like I want to <laughs> give them a nice smooth ride and everything you know um wow, there yeah.
2: isn't seamless I, mixing boring tracks yeah perfect. like
0: it's just not like the sense of like let's like share and like maybe this could all go fucking wrong yeah. um but you know let's you know like yeah. be that sort of also that punk B- attitude is
4: cool and riding a bpm is cool yeah But I'm not trying to listen to the same BPM for, like, 14 hours.
0: I think there's just this tension. I want to go. Yeah, and I think there's, like, this – because I think in, like, larger clubs and things, like, this is where that starts to become the other thing, where it's more, uh, like, a service – thing where like the music is supposed to be more consistent. Um yeah. the crowd like wants to hear something. They want something to not uh like shake them very much. They want what they paid for or whatever and like I they be yeah. Shook. yeah, well so but exactly. that's the thing is like it's a question of like so okay. you guys are saying that like, you know, in the clubs at the time, of course like a club like Twilo or whatever, yeah, you can only play like one thing. But like you know,
3: well, we'll, well let me be <laughs>
0: <laughs> But like you know the underground spaces you could like zig and zag and you can do all these things and I feel like uh now we're at a similar point where there's like this it feels like this tension where like a lot of our like nightlife is trying to uh like um model itself on the European model of like big clubs where people play like basically the same thing um and I think that is uh, a very I think that's just not a winning concept in New York because we all have this understanding maybe like we all really crave that sort of like weird, uh, you know, zigzagging like, you know, New York is like David Mancuso. It's not, you know, like this sort of like the same, you know, the same kick drum for six hours a night.
3: Um yeah. I mean, t- techno at the time, techno house was like sort of, it was an alternative at the time. Right. 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 And, yeah. and then it was like, I'm not saying that you would, you know, you want to train, like train wreck into like Bauhaus or something. It's just like it, but there was definitely an idea of being expansive or like going yeah. weird places, but making it work. Right. Like, yeah. Right, so. It
4: was so cool moving to New York and knowing that David Mancuso was still doing his totally. thing. Totally, And then going totally. to that party, going to the loft, and hearing a house track or a techno track that wasn't beat mixed. You yeah. play, play like a Channel One record. <laughs> like, right, right. Or whatever whatever that basic channel or whatever you call that shit. He might play like, a channel one like, record as yeah, well. But like or or channel but like to play a basic channel record just like put it on at the beginning and then like take it off at the end. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't mixed. It was just like presented.
5: Yeah.
4: I've never seen any nobody ever do that with like that type of music maybe
3: on wfmu or or a burial mix when they came and they actually played and they it was interesting because they they were both up there being like we refuse to mix anything they <laughs> just was this when they were still playing, playing behind per- a sheet huh was this when they were still playing behind like a sheet no they were you could see them what was the name of the place um moody man played there for louis vegas birthday party it's still there it's in the meatpacking one of the first place that opened up after APT.
4: Oh, there's still a place open over yes. there.
3: Yes, yeah, and I think it closed recently. Actually, C-L-O. sound <laughs> Was it CLO? I think so. C L. Yeah, yeah. It was that CLO? Yeah, they played it. That's what it was. Burial mix at CLO. They had the Lovejoys were there. Damn. Oh. And and it, it was interesting because they were very. They just were. They every track just went and then it. Yeah, they just yeah they would just stop it.
4: I wish I could
3: have played ride. at that leather bar that
1: was next to you. Exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, the one um, that everybody would walk into by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking they were going to APT.
1: I just have a f- couple last questions that I want to throw out there so we can c- conclude kind of shortly. Um, is there a particular band, live act, or DJ that you feel made a lasting impact or that you return to for inspiration? that area I know it's super specific and kind of putting you on the spot but I personally just wanted to ask that um,
0: why what's your what's your answer katie yeah, exactly
1: that uh no <laughs> please don't <laughs> don't grill me um I I, I know it's kind of score. what we try not to do one. is like be interviewers but that's a very y uh question but I figured
3: you'd have
1: something to say.
3: Mick Harris, Scorn. Oh, yeah. I mean, right? Right? Totally. I mean, like, holy shit. It's like this guy was just, like, doing everything way before it was happening. And it was so fucking good. I mean, yeah. the first Scorn record is just, like, demonic, like, hellish. Na- Post-Napalm Death, you know? But, like, you could art. I mean, and then every record after that just defining things and just like keeps changing and i mean he's just like i mean he wasn't supposed to do that he wasn't supposed to like veer from you know grind like this absolutely like um incredible grind core whatever to making dubbed out heaviness that's just so expansive and eternal you know And, like, and then the guy's, like, just, like, hanging out. Mick Harris is out, like, fishing somewhere now. You know, it's, like, it's, like, I mean, that guy, he's, like, lasting. He's, like, huge for me.
1: So you feel you you return to his music for inspiration? Absolutely. It still
3: sits in a place. You listen to it, you're, like, nothing is. Like, it's just there are things like it. People are inspired by it. But every time, I guess, because every time he did it, he just went for it so whole, like absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know? And
3: mm-hmm. he never looked back, right? I mean, he just did it, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway.
4: I go to pre. I, it's weird because it sounds like I'm tooting my horn, but I'm not because I, I like to go to pre me joining Acceptor.
1: Totally. I, I don't think you're tuning your own horn.
4: The of version of Acceptor that was <laughs> yeah. Jeff Calder, Caitlin, Dan, and McCray.
3: That's still... Nathan and me. And like Henry Rollins joining his favorite band, right? I mean, it's like yeah. yeah.
4: I, I, I go to that, and I I I always go back to Little Louis. And he's he might be my favorite house band. Of all time. Oh
3: my god. I'll throw Ron Hardy in there too. I because, throw Ron up I in mean, there. I mean, yeah.
4: But Ron it sucks that like Ron has become like sort of passe. Really? I don't know, man.
0: It's weird what time because does to things, you know? Like
4: Some of these like some of these things that have seen represses or like these private right. tapes or like there was a time when If you wanted to hear certain things, you had to go and see certain people, and like things weren't available on YouTube. But now you've got like people like playing Ron's edits, and they sound and it's just like you need to put that shit away.
3: I'm gonna ask you this: Is it because it's like because it's like a disembodied? Element of this person, and it's not being presented in context. You're hearing it just like because. But well, I guess
4: the people that are playing like that, maybe they're still searching for their sound.
3: Right. No, that's what, so. You're that's what I'm saying. So you're hearing other people present it the wrong way, in a sense.
4: And yeah, you gotta present it the totally.
3: right way. Totally.
4: I like, that's why, Yeah. Like if the that's way why, I go, I go to tracks. Yeah. Right. I go back to tracks a lot. The way that he presents house yeah. music and techno, yeah, for me, is like yeah. the right... There's a lot of right ways, but to me, that's like the right way yeah. that can turn me into a The energy a freak. and mood
3: of tracks is like... Un-
4: because I really... Like, I, I want to turn into a freak. Personal. I wanna, I wanna, it's personal. I want to get turned into a freak, and a lot of these people aren't turning me into a freak. They're just like turning totally. me into somebody that wants to <laughs> sit at home and watch ID. Totally. totally. <laughs>
1: so okay this is the last question there's a lot of great shit
5: happening right
1: now (laughs) Um, just one more question and feel free to go in any direction but we should probably wrap it up Um, is there anything that you miss about late 90s early 2000s era um, of New York what do you think current promoters or club goers could benefit from learning about that era that don't know that are too young
3: Got Distracted, Sean McBride just walked in. What's up, man? (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about you.
4: I played your song on WMU um, once. What
3: was the question again?
2: I think the question was, What what do you miss? Is there anything you miss about the uh, late 90s, early 2000s? And what, what,
4: causing a let's ruckus, just, yeah, let's while just getting like kicked out of a club for dancing. Yeah, yeah there's no, there's <laughs> no. Getting that kick. are sounds... like what? You're really gonna fucking kick me out? I'm gonna make a scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Like, like, how could you not go to Good Good World and listen to Josh Medina or Josh Language and Rich Medina play the type of music that they play, and you not want to get up and dance? <laughs> yeah. Get
2: the fuck out of here! <laughs> so, so, so you feel like uh, you, 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 you yeah, missed that, that uh, you miss that, like uh, no, moment of conflict with authority.
5: Yeah, because Th- that have that, much. that doesn't exist in the have same that way now. Conflict with authority. <laughs> <to> say, so.
3: <laughs> wow, there's so many things actually. I could like, I mean, one thing I kind of miss like, uh, like record nerd sessions of like hanging out and just like listening to everyone's pile of records you know, like in in an intimate setting. Like I have this great night of uh, hanging out with uh, dudes from temple and dudes from other music and all and, and mama's guys. Like we were all actually in Dan Hoagland's apartment and we were listening to this incredible collection that got sold to other music. And it was a mud club era guy who not only was he there, but he just bought everything. Everyone told him to buy At the time, so he just pristine copies of everything. And we were just, our minds were just getting blown from like this immense library of 45. Like, what? Oh shit. I knew you're, oh, let's see. Um...
0: Because, yeah, this doesn't happen. People don't meet up and like,
4: yeah, listen to records I, yeah, together yeah, at all, yeah. That's, like that's when a it goes bag of deep. Of and over and that's when somebody's deep. house, yeah, and yeah. Hang yeah, out there for like seven hours yeah. and mixed records. Yeah. oh I, I man,
3: that it, was the best thing in the world. Yeah, so I'm gonna do one, I'm gonna just say this right now. I'm gonna do one at some point, and you all are <laughs> <laughs> So it has to happen, actually, you know, like it's it, right. I mean, that, did you
4: have a party where people were able to bring four or five records, like a open turntables party? I didn't do an
3: official one. We've definitely done that though, and I yeah for like a birthday. Well, maybe
4: we've like both that. been to parties like that that open turntables, bring five records. There
2: needs to be of more of that. Did that work? No, we
3: thought about doing. Yeah, <laughs> we thought about doing it, but uh, we were worried. You should be. You know, I'm just gonna say it. I think intimacy is key, and yeah. I think that like you know, it's a little bit like a Mancuso thing and uh, brunch. And 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 it, just a personal like interpersonal thing, and uh yeah, it goes. Are you back saying to that the we DIY need to unplug? It's a, <laughs> I didn't say that, but because <laughs> we still have to use the appliances, right? But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, d- like do some small things. That's all I'm saying. Gramophones do don't electric take electricity.
0: Things. You can
3: you can use one of those.
0: Cool. I
4: feel bad that I called Ron Hardy passe. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's clear that up
0: right now. Ron Hardy passe.
1: I don't think that's possible.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's like Liaison danger Rose's passe at this point, isn't it? Right?
1: Absolutely not. Not the not. track where they
4: go... <laughs> 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 the one that starts with the laughing? That not that passe. one. <laughs> Just song one on side two and song one on side a
1: yes all right, all
2: right. <laughs> that uh i think i think that's a a, a reasonable time to to call up uh, panel one a wrap can thank you, you
4: if you say beep beep manifesto can you beep out This is the name of the band, but since this isn't like, is this happening live on like some shit? This,
2: this, this, it's not, it's not being broadcast
3: live, but it will be, but it will be archived. uh, Yeah. We'll put up your, like beep. (laughs) No, beep, beep, man. A beep, beep. (laughs) We'll put up your
0: email. Uh, you know, all complaints forward to, uh,
2: No, just, do, just meet beep manifesto maybe okay yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh man there's that Sean O'Sullivan humor about, like you meet some sometimes you meet people but maybe maybe they had a fucking like bad day at the airport or some shit yeah. I mean I don't know yeah
3: I just can't wait for the people guessing like John Porkchop, he really hated Eric Burden and the Animals. Wait, what was that? Wait, which, which band has that many oh, syllables? But the,
4: best part, the best part about all of that is while they were playing, and we were up in the balcony behind the Sound Dude's board. He was smoking cigarettes, and on the mixing board where you label everything. Huh. It just said boring across the whole. Oh, he was just up there smoking cigarettes, like fucking, like we wasn't looking at his phone because, like, nobody had. You I didn't have no phones.
5: phones. <laughs> oh god! I took a picture of that.